0: world. It's your boy, Damon. Hey, you know who everybody else is, man. So we're going to get right into it, man. Hey, so you guys probably haven't heard of, we was doing this hero of the week. You guys probably haven't heard it in a while. So, cause we're doing something a little different, man. We came up with a new idea. Uh, we're going to be highlighting our heroes, right? We're going to be doing this like once a month. Um, and it's going to be a, a solo project. It's not going to be part of our episodes or anything like that. Um, and I was, you know, on a ship, And I decided to, you know, we're gonna do Captain David um, McCampbell. Man, he was uh, pretty exciting, man. So we're gonna start off with him on highlighting our heroes. So, real quick, um, you guys already know um, he's named after a ship, but I wanna get into something that was like. No,
1: no, he's not named after a ship. A ship named after after him. Ship (laughs) ship
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ship named after him. Uh, Um, All right, man, let me get into it. Hey, So, um, Captain Davis McCain, he's also the Navy's all-timing, all-timing leading ace with 34 aerial victories during World War II. In October 1944, Captain McCamill and his wingman attacked a Japanese force of 60 aircrafts. During the mission, Captain McCamo shot down nine enemy planes setting a single mission aerial combat record. And during this time, I just want to highlight one more thing that was kind of like unique during this whole thing. When I say leaving everything out there, right? So when he landed, when he landed his F6F Hellcat, his six machine guns had two rounds remaining, right? Six, I'm going to say that again, six machine guns had two rounds remaining and the plane had only fuel to keep him aloft for 10 more minutes, Right, we know in the, in the aviation world when you when you low on fuel and what happens, you got to bring that thing in. He only had ten more minutes to be in the air, and he had only ten two round two rounds left at a, on a six gun machine gun. That's leaving it all out there, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, now uh, we'll get into his citation
2: for conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty as commander, Air Group Fifteen during combat against enemy enemy Japanese aerial forces in the first and second battles of the Philippine Sea. An inspiring leader, fighting boldly in the face of terrific odds, uh, Commander McCampbell led his fighting fighting planes against a force of 80 Japanese carrier-based aircraft bearing down on our fleet on 19 June 1944. Striking Fiercely and valiant defense of our surface force, he personally destroyed seven hostile planes during the single engagement in which he in which the outnumbering attack force attack force was utterly routed and virtually annihilated. During a major fleet engagement with the enemy on 24 October, Commander McCampbell, assisted by But one plane intercepted and daringly attacked a formation of 60 hostile land-based craft approaching our forces. Fighting desperately, but with superb skill against such overwhelming air power, he shot down nine Japanese planes and completely disorganizing the enemy group, forced the remaining to abandon the attack before a single aircraft could reach the fleet. His great personal valor and indomitable spirit of aggression under extremely perilous combat conditions reflected the highest credit upon Commander McCampbell and the United States Naval Service.
1: I'm going to go right into talking a little bit about Commander, well, Captain David S. McCampbell's career and some of his personal life. So he was born January 16th. Uh, 1910. He was. He's from Alabama. It's so Obama boy, right? Yeah, you Um go. His his when he was young, his granddad bought him a jet. So he was he was getting some flights on that jet at a very young age. He was also a swimmer at a very young age. Uh, very athletic. He went to a military academy as well. So a lot of this stuff is like prep work into his career already. Um, Stanton Military Academy is where he went to. And then he went to Georgia Tech for a little bit and studied engineering. But after that, he decided to go to the Naval the naval Academy. The reason why he decided to go to a Naval Academy is because his dad, he owned a furniture business and he lost it. And he didn't want to keep that financial burden on his family. So he went ahead to the Naval Academy. This, um, You know, remind you, this was actually around the time of the Great Depression. And that played into his <laughs> Naval career as well. Because after he graduated the Naval Academy in 1933, he couldn't be commissioned until a year later due to manpower cutbacks, which were a result of the, the Great Depression. He was a diving champion at the Naval Academy. He was varsity three years. Uh, the first year was freshman year. So by 1937, after serving on the Portland, right? and when he was on the Portland, he was present for the Golden Gate Bridge opening. So he, you know, so this was a long time ago. He was around when the Golden Gate Bridge opened. Um, but while he was on the Portland, he was promoted to Lieutenant J.G. And he went to flight training in Pensacola. That's where he got his wings. And he was the first guy in his class to go solo. So he was excelling at a, a very early time. He did another tour in the USS Ranger uh, with his first air group and then went to the WAS. So he got promoted to lieutenant. And May 1941. 1941, May 1941, of course, that's seven months before the date of living inf- infamy. He was also, uh, are to be pretty excited about this. He was a repair locker officer. He was a repair locker officer for Repair Four on a flight deck. Mm. In 1942, the wasp was sunk. He was on the wasp when it was sunk, and he actually he got some really good recollection of the story. Somebody interviewed him, and I was listening to him. He was talking about being on there when it sunk, and he <laughs> he went he went in the water. Uh, he was in the water for like three and a half hours. But when he went in the water, he wanted to do like, remember, he was a diver. So he wanted to do like this twist uh, dive or whatever like that. But then he just decided to dive, you know, straight into the water. He didn't want to do all the fancy stuff. But it was sunk. After that, he promoted the lieutenant commander. He went to NAS Jacks. Uh, and he was serving in Melbourne, Florida at the same exact time. So he was serving at two different duty stations at the same exact time. A couple different times in his career, which is unique to me. And I would love to hear more about that. He was promoted to commander in 1944, but between 42 and 44, the stuff that Damon and Teach just talked about, that's when all of that stuff happened, like the battle with Leyte Gulf, things like that. From 1945 to 1947, he served as a chief of staff to commander fleet air. Um, this was in Rhode Island, and he also served uh, as a commander for carrier air groups in Hampton Roads, Virginia. So that's two duty stations at the same time again which again, man, we need to talk to somebody that could tell us a little bit more about this. So in 1948, he became a senior uh, aviation advisor um, to the Argentine Navy. Then he was an XO on an FDR between 51 and 52. Um, He went to headquarters uh, over in Norfolk in in 52, uh, the aircraft headquarters. And then he promoted to a captain in July. So July, 1952, he promoted to a captain. A year later, he commanded... Uh, a tech center in Jacksonville. Then he then he was a flight coordinator at Navair Test Center in Pax River, so close to where I live. Uh, 56 to 58, he did a tour with Six Fleet. He did another CO tour on an oiler uh, named the Severn. He did another CO tour on a Bonhomme Richard. And the mm-hmm. uniqueness about him doing his mm-hmm. CO tour <clears throat> is because he was the first Medal of Honor recipient to do a CO tour on an aircraft carrier. Right. He did another uh, tour in 1962. Staff orders. He retired in 64. Died in 96. He's buried in Arlington, Virginia. 31 years of service. Right. The only plane he ever flew in combat was the Grumman F6F Hellcat. Hellcat. Right. And it's a model. where If you want to see it, it's a model where the aircraft on display at the Naval Aviation Museum in Pensacola, Florida. It's also where he got his nickname, the Navy's Ace of Aces. He's considered the greatest fighter pilot ever, right? So like I said, he won a Medal of Honor in 45, and then he went on a command aircraft carrier. He was the only one to do that. DDG, Damon talked about it earlier, DDG 85, the USS McCampbell, which is currently stationed in Everett, Washington, is named after Captain McCampbell. And the motto is Relentless in Battle right? And that's an honor. And then the coat of arms, right? I'm going to get into it. And if you watch it on YouTube, you'll see it when I talk about it. So the coat of arms, you got the shield, the crest, the model, and the seal, right? The seal, of course, is self-explanatory. We talked about the model already, that's relentless in battle. And the model is a reference to both the honorable feats of Captain McCampbell and the Medal of Honor he received. But the shield, so the shield are the traditional navy colors. They were chosen because the dark blue and gold represent sea and excellence respectively, right? But the light blue band refers to the Pacific Theater where he served as commander of Air Group 15. And the band is 34 stars going down that band, and that represents the number of enemy aircraft that he destroyed in air combat. This distinguished him as the leading naval ace in World War II. The Roman numeral, the XV, signifies uh, fable fifteen, which embarked on a USS Essex. The Navy Cross with a silver star center symbolizes Captain McCampbell's bravery during the combat in the Philippines. Now let's get let's move on to the crest. So the reverse star refers to Captain McCampbell's Medal of Honor, which was awarded for heroism in both the first and second battles of the Philippine Sea. The sea lion represents the Republic of the Philippine government seals. I mean, government seal. And it's two tridents symbolizing sea prowess surrounded. uh, They surround the star and they signify the Aegis system, firepower and strike. Capability Representing the United States coat of arms is the wing shield to symbolize Naval aviator wings, which was captain McCampbell's area of specialty. So it's a lot of honor for him in that shield that you see on the screen. If you're watching it on YouTube, if you're not, you just heard me describe the shield and you didn't get a chance to see it. So
0: good stuff. Good stuff, man. Highlighting our heroes, man.
1: Yeah. Really good story. Really good story. <coughs> um, inspiring story. Um, if If y'all get a chance, he did an interview at some point in his life or multiple interviews, and people got to talk to him where he could he recollect like these battles just straight off the top of his head and what he experienced and like how he how he chose to not uh, aim at the pilot or aim at the engine and they chose to shoot off the <clears throat> wings or whatever mm. so that that kind of played a, a major part mm. to his contribution into those battles or whatever so definitely good stuff nice. Do, do we end this? How do we end this segment? <laughs> hey, for the listeners, we we'll don't know how to end the segment yet. We we'll, don't we'll, 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 we'll know how to end the segment yet, y'all. Y'all need to help us out. Okay? Give us some advice on how to end this segment. But uh, we love y'all, I guess. That's, that's our always our yeah. theme. We love you always guys, Demon. man. How will let your
0: boy, y'all. Mississippi, you already know.